Hi, welcome to the Penis Project podcast. This is the place to come to find out everything you've always wanted to know about men's health but were too embarrassed to ask. Join physiotherapist Dr. Joe Milios and sexologist nurse practitioner Melissa Hadley-Barrett as they talk to real men and the experts about men's private parts. Have a burning question you really want to know the answer to? Please subscribe to our website at thepenisproject.org and just ask us. The length, while the greater the strength, the more time I've got for you. There's too much talking, texting, tweeting, posting. Too much noise altogether. In silence is strength and peace and space. Imagine silence forever. The Penis Project podcast is proudly supported and sponsored by PROST, Exercise for Prostate Cancer, and the RS Health Penile Rehabilitation Program. PROST is a not-for-profit charity set up by myself in 2012 that aims to help men exercise during their experience with prostate cancer. If you want to know anything more about PROST, including our online service and USB product now available, please just go to prost.com.au. Hi, I'm Melissa Hadley-Barrett and I designed the Penile Rehabilitation Program to help men recover from prostate cancer. It's an online program built on decades worth of knowledge and experience and practice. It's the only one of its kind in the world and it actually works. So if you've been diagnosed with prostate cancer and want to get your penis working again as quickly as possible, and why wouldn't you, then visit penilerehabilitationprogram.com and you'll be off and running. And it only takes about 15 minutes a day. All the best with your recovery, which I promise will never be as bad as you think. November 11, 11am, 60 seconds, kids watch on the wall. In the pub, in the tab, in the cars, we remember... Welcome to the Penis Project podcast. Today, I'm very excited about our guest. Now, Jo was at a writer's festival on the weekend and she met Julia Paulette Hollenberry, which I probably said wrong and we'll get her to say it right in a sec. And she has written a book called The Healing Power of Pleasure. And I love this because it has power and pleasure in the title. And I know that many of you guys out there listening who come and see me in the clinic are always asking about pleasure and joy and things like that. So I think you guys are going to absolutely love this. Her book is about discovering a seven-step path to living a happy, sensual and more conscious life. So I think this is going to be great. And so welcome Jojo and welcome Julia. Let's find out all about you and what you do. Thank you. Prudence and Putiness. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> So go. So tell us a bit about yourself. Like, how did you become an author, and is this your first book? I I am from London, and I'm very excited to be here in Australia. And it's fabulous to be here and meeting and chatting with you both. I it is my first book, mm -hmm. and when I was a little girl, I always knew that I would one day write a book. Half a lifetime ago, mm -hmm. I began writing the first draft of the book. Yeah, great. How old were you? No, well, how many years ago when you started writing the book might be better? Uh, I was in my mid-twenties. Mm -hmm. And um, one rather raunchy, um, sensual poem from that first draft is what's in the book. And you I wrote that book? You wrote that poem, should I, I say? Did. Yep. And then I wrote the book in the last few years and it just came pouring out of me. Great. So did, did you start writing it when COVID was on because you were in lockdown or? No, in fact, I had the great news at the beginning of the lockdown in London that my book was going to be published. So that really... So you'd already written spirits. it? Yes, yeah. already. Okay, fantastic. And so it's just been released. So A year ago. Wow. Okay, so... Tell us about your career. December 21. Tell us about your career leading up to that. Like what did you do originally that, that brought you to write about pleasure and passion? Um, I am a body worker mm -hmm. and a therapist. And my mum was a physiotherapist. So I was telling Joe when we met that I grew up in a very medical mm. um, household. Yes. And we talked about, you know, how a baby's made and very practical. You know what? Yeah. And, um, but I've really been on a, a big search. 
for real kind of the real sensuality, the real freshness, the real aliveness in human relationships. Mm -hmm. So it's been a big spiritual journey and both my work and my passion is about finding this embodied deliciousness. So <laughs> it's great. So explain to me, because most of our listeners probably won't know what a body worker is. So will you explain to us about what, what a body worker is? Um, I guess you could also use the phrase massage therapist. Yep. So it's I work with my hands mm -hmm. uh, on somebody's body um, to uh, relieve patterns of tension, mm -hmm. to bring them more present, to bring them more in contact with their own body, with the vitality of their own body. So some of the work is with conversation and dialogue and encouraging people to pay attention to their body and also all sorts of exercises to really bring them present into their body. Yeah, great. So I have a good friend who's a body worker. Um, she's been living in Greece for many years, but she's just coming back to the Southern Hemisphere. And um, so she tells me that when she's doing body work with people, she can often feel emotions and blockages and things in their body. Is that is that how you experience it? Well, yes. And the more one's doing that kind of work, the more s sensitive we become to the other person. Mm. So it's also a practice. And it's the same when people are making love, right? The more we do so, the more we bring our attention to our own body and to another's body, mm. the more our capacity for noticing information increases. You speak my language as a physiotherapist. So a lot of the time as a physiotherapist, people who work in my field in pelvic health actually abandon their musculoskeletal whole body work. And I've, I've even got, you know, several staff who say, I don't see musculoskeletal patients, only pelvic patients. And I think, what a great shame because we've had so many years of training and I just don't think you can separate the brain from the pelvis or the toes. Everything is whole body. In America, this term body work therapist is far more common than here in Australia. I wasn't aware in the UK that body work was also a common thing. But Melissa, would you say you know a local body work therapist? Yep. I go to one every month. <laughs> and they call themselves a body work A therapist. body worker. Okay. So yeah. in my field as a physiotherapist, I'd say I've not heard of it in my allied health profession, apart from when I've been visiting overseas. So just, just giving you a bit of a background of where our audience might be. So the, a body work therapist, um, do you specialise in sensuality or sexuality? And is that something that is you've learned over time or is it just that you're a whole body worker and this is just a small piece of your work? I'm a whole body worker mm -hmm. and people usually remove part of their clothing mm -hmm. or are still wearing their underwear. Okay, yep. But I personally am particularly interested amongst other topics in intimacy and relationships. And you were talking about the head and the pelvis. Yes. And one of the things that I love is that the shape of the pelvis, the bones of mm -hmm. the pelvis and the bones of the head, of course, echo each other. And we know this, right? The um, uh, we don't, I don't know this. Sh explain this. <laughs> if you take... Um, I remember a friend doing this years ago. If you take the skull mm -hmm. from a plastic skeleton yep. used for medical purposes and you, you can see that it will sit inside the pelvis. Ah, uh, no way. Okay. So there's, there's and, and there's all sort of, from my perspective, subtle energetic uh, connections between mm. uh, the diaphragm, for example, across the neck and uh, the diaphragm in the solar plexus and the diaphragm in the pelvis. So you're linking the chakras? Also, mm -hmm. also, but not only... Uh, on a physiological level, yep. there's a connection between the diaphragms yeah. in the body and between the vocal cords and the genitals sure. and between speaking mm -hmm. and expressing. And I think also, I mean, there's a big head-pelvis connection in a whole lot of angles because as a mid... There's going to be jokes in here, right? It, no, no, there is. But <laughs> always. Um, <laughs> always. But, you know, if you think about as a midwife, you know, the whole idea is is the head has to be 
fitting into a pelvis right. because this is how we deliver a child. Right. And so in whoever created our original body, whether you believe Lovely. in Christianity or whatever you believe in the spirit world, they, you know, it's not an accident that a head and a pelvis actually fit together. And anatomically, your head needs to fit in your mother's pelvis size mm. to be removed. So anatomically, genetically, you have to be linked. And for me as well, I think that, you know, your genitals and everything that goes on in your pelvic area can't work without what goes on in your brain. And your brain is the biggest organ that attracts all that. So it makes a lot of sense that a body worker would connect these things. Oh, we can geek out on so much oh, stuff. We could. Geek out, yeah. But we're going away from your books. Okay, let's go back to sensuality. It's all, it's all good. Mm, yeah. So. so in a way, and especially today in modernity, when we all have all these devices and hugely busy mm. schedules, we are even more than usual disconnected from ourselves and disconnected from our bodies. So mm. the work of a body worker, and it's probably similar to your work, is again and again inviting people to come back to their own direct experience of their own body. Mm. So my work is all about encouraging people to trust their body wisdom, to trust their own experience, to trust their own pleasure, to come back again and again to their physical sensations, to their sensuality. So as a physiotherapist, I graduated in 1992. I say, and I asked my brother urologist once, how much do we know about the human brain? He said, we know 10%. I think Einstein said that. Einstein said that. In physiotherapy, when I get people coming in with complex chronic conditions, I say that's about the same, 10%. There's about 90% we don't understand. But I became a yoga therapist. I did traditional yoga training so I could fill in that 90% gap. And I know that I learned more from my yoga teacher training than I, than I ever learned in uh, an academic thing in terms of how whole body works. Even the kunda, the kundalini yoga and the pelvis and the, the pelvic floor, this is so relevant. The muscle called the um, iliopsoas, or the psoas is the most emotional muscle in the body. It holds our mus emotional tensions, our sexuality. So I always say to my patients, Eastern medicine is at least 4,000 years old and Western medicine is 200 years old. So this whole theory of having to provide evidence-based medicine is written into the journals is so far removed from where you come from. And I, I must say I like to open my eyes. That's why you're a guest here today, actually. <laughs> because lots of our patients come in and they can't get an answer from the Western medicine prescriptions or the CT scans. And they feel real pain. And most commonly they're told it's all in their head. We can't see it on a scan. It doesn't exist. So... If I was someone, I'm going to present to you my very last patient today. He came in with something called peniodynia. So he had pain of the penis. Waking up through the night with erections that are painful because of a tight pelvic floor, actually from watching too much pornography. This is a common type of patient that we see. He was put on antidepressants and some muscle relaxant medication, but they haven't helped. So my job is to encourage him to not watch so much porn to reduce his uh, muscle tension whole body-wise, but to teach him pelvic floor down training and to work on his spine and give him some stretches, try and get his pudendal nerve sort of um, not as hypersensitive. As a physiotherapist, I know that not many other physiotherapists have that knowledge, but if that patient was to walk in to you, how would you treat him? What a question. Wow. I know. Mm. While you're talking, I notice that what I'm drawn to um, and what may help this person is something to do with, um, again, whole body sensuality. Mm. So becoming attuned not just to the sensations of the pelvis and of the genitals, but of the whole body. The textures we can touch with our hands, mm. the textures we can touch in all of our bodies, bringing the whole body into more physical movement. Yeah, being aware of so it. So I did do an ultrasound on this young man and he had no movement of his pelvic floor whatsoever. It was locked in. That means he's got a condition called hard flaccid syndrome, which our colleague actually prescribed mm. today as a first ever referral. And hard flaccid means there's a semi-permanent erection. The pelvic floor is too tight to let the blood flow in or out, so they're in pain all the time. It's a new condition, particularly spurned on by pornography. And my colleagues in the UK were the ones who alerted me this being a big problem. 
which is more of a problem because of COVID because people have been... Yeah. So everything you talked about, about the disconnection, we, these patients cannot have sec satisfactory sexual encounters with humans because they're, they're ingrained. They're overstimulated by visual pornography. So mm. in the end, intimacy is about the nervous system. Okay, yeah. It's about um, being able to be both aroused and excited and calm and grounded mm. and it's getting the balance right and being able to move between states. And I think also we simplify sexuality and intimacy too much. Like I always think people are shocked when they come to see me and they'll be talking about their mismatched libido and I'll be asking them about how they live their day-to-day -day life together mm. because that actual mind connection of that couple is way more important than how they function sexually or, you know, like that intimate relationship they have. So, so mm. for couples, it's about um, rekindling the spark of polarity of difference between them. Mm. And the connection of like, you know, I always say, I think people come and see me and they expect I'm going to tell them to go home and buy a wild sex toy. But really I might say, go temp in bowling together and have a laugh. Yeah. That will be a way more successful outcome and treatment to rekindle intimacy than going home and trying, you know. But anyway, that's enough about, I think it Keeping would be. Keeping the mm. communication channels mm. open. Yeah, and having fun together. You know, Love. I think such a big thing, having laughter together. Yeah. So tell us about the seven-step path to living a happier life. Like, how did you come up with these steps and, and what are they? So you'll like the steps because they've got lots of P's in them. Excellent. <laughs> they are slow body depth, relationship, pleasure, power and potency. Okay. So they're really a pathway out of our heads and anxiety yeah, and tension, the uh, tension that you were talking about, which actually makes us kind of numb. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a descent out of all those thoughts and into this lived, vital, fully embodied experience. Mm. Shall I tell you a little about each of them? Love to. Love so to can I, I'll just summarise this mm. from your blurb on your website, which we will share. It just says... Gain simple insights and practical wisdom from my 25 years experience as a therapist and facilitator. Discover the seven spiritual medicines of slowing down, embodying, deepening, relating, pleasure, power and potential. Sounds great. So let's, so you wrote it, let's go through each of those. Yeah, slowly. tell us. Yeah. yeah. So slow is slowing down out of the very fast, overstimulated tempo that most of us live at in this modern world. So that means interrupting that habit. It means consciously pausing. And when we consciously pause, whether that's to get a cup of tea or to go for a walk or anything can be to sing a song or have a dance, right? Mm-hmm we regather our energy again. So when we're frenetic and frantic, our attention is scattered. And we begin to bring our, and you'll know about this from, of course, your yoga practice mm -hmm. as well. Yep. We start to bring our attention back to ourselves and we need and want that attention for our intimate lives, for all of our lives. So if someone was feeling like they were travelling around at a frenetic pace, and how would you... First, like what's a simple step someone could do each day to slow down? So let's do something right now. Okay, cool. Can you feel your own feet? Yep. Yep. Just bringing attention for a moment to our feet. And my feet right now are kind of glowing. Mm. Mine feel a little bit warm and tingly. Lovely. Mine are burning. <laughs> but that's a, another reason. It's not plantar fasciitis. <laughs> Um, yeah, but yes, you're right. Like I, this is something, an example I give to people when I try and tell them 
if I want them to be mindful about something, I say if I tell you not to think about a pink elephant, everyone's thinking about the pink elephant. Well, not just an elephant. I'm in your office and you've got other. Exactly. I've it's got, got a very objects. pink penis here. Just sorry to say it's a model penis, not a live penis, but it's a hot it's pink. Bright, it's fluorescent. hot pink. Yeah. Sitting right next to Julia. Yes, that's yes, right. So sorry. yeah, I'm going to start saying, look at, think about a pink penis instead of a pink well, elephant. But, mm. So yes, <laughs> so that would be a so. And would Slowing someone down, so slow yeah. down? Would you tell them to do that once a day, twice a day, or what sort of? Well, it depends, right? It depends. It depends. I mean, how often can we interrupt ourselves? Can we pause just for a microsecond? Mm. How often can we, instead of jumping in the car and going straight off to wherever it is that we're going, can we jump in the car and sit for a moment mm. before starting the engine? And when we get there. Can we sit for a moment before jumping out mm. of the car? So is it almost about being deliberate in your actions? Totally. Yeah. Okay. And toilets, going to the bathroom, can be intentional breaks. Okay. So we don't all have to smoke to have intentional breaks. I don't smoke, by the way. But, um, you know, I think that's a lot about smokers, don't you think? A lot of smoking is not so much about smoking, but it's about I have an intentional time to stop. Oh, I, you, I mean, a long time ago I used to smoke and that's right. It felt almost, you know, this dedicated time to me. Oh, that reminds me. I've been telling people recently when I was a wa- waitress in cafes, I used to sh- shift from 6pm till 3am and my colleagues or my fellow waitresses would have a smoker every hour and I never smoked so I never got that break. And I used to work 10 hours for sure. And they had an hour off for their smokos. And I remember thinking, this this isn't fair, but I didn't want to smoke. I was a physiotherapy student. But I've come to realise that that pause, that intentional pause, was almost meditative for them to go and stand outside, take a break, breathe in, breathe out. The essence of yoga is the breath, really. So I'm not advocating smoking or vaping, but there's obviously a need for us to pause and that gives Mm. us that. We're not robots. Mm. We're not machines. Mm. We're humans. Mm. So it almost takes us into the next medicine, which is body, which is you could do a body scan as a mini break, as a mini pause while at work. That will interrupt. Would that be something as simple as just checking your heart rate? Like I can now be in tune with my heart rate. I can actually tune into my heart rate and know that it's a little bit elevated. I'm a little bit, you know, kind of up because I'm talking to you versus before when I was... You know, sitting there reading quietly. What is an embodying example that you would? It could be. Uh, for me, it's more coming back to the sensuality. Okay. It's more, um, but it can also be reflective. It can also be the awesome choreography that we have, right? Mm. It can also, also be coming back to remembering our amazing anatomy and physiology. But it can also be coming back to noticing, am I hot or am I cold? Mm. So, Am I thirsty? Am I tired? Yeah. How does my body feel right now? Am I restless? Do I actually need to move? You know, at work, so many of us are taught to override those impulses. Mm. Yeah, so it's more about actually thinking and considering your body instead of just what we might consider our mind. Totally. Okay. It's remembering we've got two arms and two legs and one head and a... Mm-hmm. bum and a belly and a and back and a chest and a mm. Mm. Okay. I have to make a confession here I often tell guys to lift their nuts to their guts to do their pelvic floor exercises and every once in a while a guy says um, I've only got one nut because <laughs> <laughs> they've had testicular cancer when they were younger but it's really cool because I you make this assumption that everyone's anatomy is the same and it's not it's not, we're mm. all wonky we've all got wonky. one shoulder higher than the yeah. other and one boob bigger than the other yeah. and yeah. Mm. Mm. So, so yes. the next one, deepening. Number three, yeah. So deepening is um, realising that there's a great deal more going on than we're usually aware of. A great deal more is going on than what appears to us. And that's beautiful. So it's inviting a kind of awe or reverence. You could talk about going to see a sunset. Mm. It's a kind of, there was something someone else said before that we were talking about before. You know, you were talking, I can't remember. But, you know, remembering, remembering. You were talking about how we're created. Mm. Remembering that there's more going on 
Yeah, that, that, that there's something bigger than us. Totally. And that brings for us humility, mm. not arrogance, mm. not judgment, which is being in our heads, but it gives us access to our feelings and our bodies. Yeah, It's almost a little bit like remembering when things are feeling a bit crappy that there is other worse people worse off than you, isn't it? It gives you a bit of humility about things. Right. It's is that a comparison or no? Could do. That can work. But also mm. that, you know, we're not that special. That there's everybody wakes up, everybody needs to go to the toilet, everybody, you know, has a digestive system that's going to make noises and smell. That we are actually just, we've got to not think that we're an elevated person. Like we're not, we're just all on this earth like a grain of sand was, you know. I love that. Yeah. I talk a lot about the messiness of the body. Yeah, yeah. Glorious messiness of the body. I think the Queen even used to say that she she used to sit on the throne and it, it really is good to be able to say, hey, your minute and my minute is equally as important. Your body and my body. We each make two footprints that are of equal importance. Lovely. Mm. And there's also something about knowing that when there are difficult times, mm. that's not all there is. Sometimes the difficult times are followed by wonderful times. Sometimes crisis precede fantastic happiness. Yeah. Mm. I've had that experience. I'm sure you have too. Yeah. So remembering mm. the bigger picture. I think also that there's a big thing to remember that you can't, like I think at the moment in our society, anxiety is seen as this evil thing. But anxiety in measured amounts is actually what drives us to do other things. And you never feel true happiness if you haven't felt sadness. And you never feel peace if you haven't been not at peace. You, know, you also need these... Challenges. You need negatives to feel the positives. If it was always perfect, you wouldn't appreciate it. The vast variety of human experience. And when we're stuck in it, when we're stuck in the difficulty, we think that's all there is. Mm. Yeah. It's always up and down and flowing. And I and that's where I get peace from nature, like the sunrise and the sunset. Very recently we had a lovely member of our family actually go to the toilet and have a massive brain aneurysm. She didn't even get to say good morning to her kids that day. She was already gone. But just before she died, 10 hours before, she put a post up and said, oh, it's a full moon tonight. How interesting. And then her friends had chatted to her. And last night, exactly four weeks later, was the time that she last looked up and saw the last full moon and I just went, ah, uh, that was what she saw a month ago, the day before she passed away. And that sort of, I guess, was comforting to me that the moon still goes, the life still keeps on going and her kids will have that moon they can look up to too, you know. It's mm. nature. And we're a part of nature. So number four. Tell us number four of the medicines. Well, we were just talking about the objects in your office. Yes. We were just talking about your rather wonderful knitted penis and the possibility of us, or I can put you in touch with someone who makes um, from material. Vulvas. A vagina. Oh. So wonderful. We'll do that. So relationship yes. is all about coming into relationship with another person. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's about, well, it's about many, many, many different aspects all of the book, uh, all of what I write about is quite rich because there's an awful lot to say about all of these topics. There's not just one thing. So with relationships, a lot of the time, we see the other person as an object to satisfy our needs. We want them to do what we want them to do. You complete me, for example, is a right. common phrase, which is a bit odd to me. Yes. You complement each other or you don't need each other to complete that. Mm. So, mm. the encouragement, or one of the encouragements in the chapter, and all of the chapters have a bunch of practical exercises. There's over 50 practical exercises wow. in the book. There's a lot. That's massive. 50. So, it's about coming to see and hear and sense the other person as they really are, mm. not just as an object to complete you. Yeah. And we're all also, all of the time, always in relationships. So th the other thing is that sometimes we can think and feel that we're really alone and isolated. Mm. And we can feel lonely, of course. 
but the truth is that we're all all of the time in relationship with everything mm. all of the time even if we're not aware of it so whether it's the person in the corner shop or the birds or the the uh, plants in the garden or the uh, air that we breathe on this side of the world and the other side of the world it's an so exchange it's of things isn't it it's a beautiful mm. reciprocity mm. well wow, exchange love that word but i can't say it <laughs> no, I'm not even going to try. <laughs> so coming into a real, sensual relationship with other people, a respectful mm. relationship, mm. a fun relationship. The joy of being. I'm just reading that's your catchphrase on your book, The Healing Power of Pleasure. Seven medicines to rediscovering the innate joy of being. I love that word, joy. Many times when I say my name on the phone, I say joy, Millie, or some people go, joy, joy, joy. And I've always been annoyed about it, but I won't be now. <laughs> So the whole book is mm. written about becoming more joyful, wow. yeah. uh, as I call it, the universe of deliciousness. So this seven-step pathway mm. is a practical route for entering the universe of deliciousness. I'm loving watching your hands stroking <laughs> the microphone. <laughs> That's uh, Melissa, not Jojo. <laughs> Sorry, I was thinking sensual. Go for it, girl. I no was, problem I was sensually thinking ever. sensual thoughts. Go for it. <laughs> exactly. I've never seen Melissa look so sensual and relaxed. Um, stroking her microphone. She's never stroked her microphone before. Her microphone wire. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's, <laughs> there's so many wrong things about what I was just about to say. Can we to move say, to pleasure? Because that's say. the next one. Hmm. <laughs> Speaking of Melissa's I'm sitting on my hands <laughs> now. Hmm. Don't need to. But, it, but, it, but, it, but relationship is really about, um, yeah. Do you know what I think about relationship as well? Because you know how you said we're all in a, about loneliness and being in a relationship. I think sometimes being lonely when you are in a relationship right. is much more lonely than just being alone. Right. And how many people are in relationships and desperate to get out of them? Just mm. as many as the number of people who are single and desperate to get into them. Right. Exactly. You know, how... And there's nothing more damaging to your soul than being lonely when you are in a relationship. Because at least if you're not in a romantic like relationship with someone and you're lonely, there's hope that you will... But if you're it. locked in. But if you're in a relationship and you're lonely, it feels hopeless. I think many situations can feel hopeless, different mm. for each person and at different times. But yeah, it's all about expressing ourselves. Mm. And I think it, I think it's really important to think that it is you're not necessarily you can be uncoupled or alone, but still not be lonely. And I think that comes back to what you were saying about that we're all in relationships with the universe and the things that are around us and other people. And you know when just the right person calls you at just the right yeah, time? Yeah, that mm. happens all when the time. When you're feeling hopeless. Yeah. You know, there is mm. a universe of uh, karma, maybe. or Deliciousness. Deliciousness. <laughs> so the next one is pleasure. Tell us about that one. So we've been through slowing down, coming out of our anxious thoughts, coming into contact with our sensual body. Yeah. Body deepening into our humility, mm -hmm. coming into really seeing and hearing and respect for each other, and out of relation, each of them is sequential, and out of relationship arises the alchemy of pleasure. Mm. So, pleasure is this deliciousness that arises when any two or more people or elements are present. Mm. It's what we do. You love the way Julia together. talks, I'm just like swimming around in deliciousness. <laughs> Melissa's been stroking her thing. I'm just like, the way you speak, it's the, it's the beautiful English tone, but... I it's hypnotic. Yes. <laughs> do you know, do you get told that all the time? Yeah. Because mm. we just bumped into, into each other at the um, WA Festival's Playwright, uh, Writers' Festival, um, associated with the Festival of Perth. And I had my good mate, Rosie Thomas... Um, up on the stage talking about short stories in her book, How to Shame the Devil. And I asked a question and I just said, if I wanted to write short stories, because it's all about the short story as a modern thing that we sort of need to do more of, you know, where would I go to learn that? And you came up to me and introduced yourself. Um, and then you said, I've got this book and one thing led to another, here you are in the podcast. 
And that was really one of those moments. Like, why did you come up and say hello to me? What What was the universe or the karma or what? How come you connected with me? Don't know. Don't know. But I often don't know. Yeah. Doesn't mean universe isn't guiding us. Yeah. But our connection was immediately fun and pleasurable. Yes. And we already talked about. I have a background. It was talking about physiotherapy yeah. with you. Yeah. And. They were al- already, you know, I don't know. We Connections, were having yeah. Mm. It was also the curly hair thing, wasn't of it? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, maybe the beads. I've got beads. You've got a few beads. I have sometimes, But yeah. you know how you just sometimes meet your people? I mean, Melissa and I, we really didn't know each other. We knew of each other because we both work with the same people in the same clinic. But when we met, there was just so much spark that all of those things you're talking about, you know, in terms of just... A friendship that was almost immediate without knowing each other. It's lovely. Mm. Pleasure. Mm. And pleasure is always here waiting mm. for us to without discover it. Without having to spend it. one dollar. Yeah. Mm. And when we tune in and when the pleasure is naturally there and then we can riff on it and, and, and ride the wave of whatever yeah. kind of pleasure it is. And if we're going to talk about sexual pleasure... Mm. In the book, I have a table that is about um, conventional sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just moving our conversation yeah. on here. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to know about this. Yeah. Um, um, there's about uh, conventional sex and delicious sex, ordinary sex and delicious sex. So there's an invitation as to how we can all deepen and expand our pleasure when there's the spark that you were talking about. Mm. So give us an example of the difference between ordinary and delicious sex. (laughs) Well, the language uh, that I use in the book is kind of funny as well. So, for example, um, one of the aspects is um, in ordinary sex is kind of like, tit for tat you know i'll do this so you'll do that to me <laughs> or you know i'll do the abc and then we'll get tit to foot fat yeah <laughs> yeah so Sorry. you just got a play on words you just got a bj so i need one too yep okay so and as BJ. opposed to oh, really <laughs> being in the moment and what's really catching your attention in the other person or in yourself do you actually feel like i don't know you know Putting your waist on top of their waist, or is it actually like the deliciousness of the wrinkles on their neck that's or the way the light is catching the cords mm. of their of their neck? What is it that's really catching your attention in the moment? Oh, you know, so there's a lot about or for example, we spoke earlier about breath, bringing more breath in to expand the pleasurableness that is there. Uh, it goes on for like four or five pages, this table. So, so it's almost about like being more intentional and aware. Yeah. Mm. And the difference between, yeah, it is. And those words are kind of fast to say. Mm. But the difference in the quality of the experience is huge. Yeah. Mm. And just while we're on that matter, hugeness doesn't count. But yes. I'm being silly. It's okay. You're not. You're being <laughs> serious. Mm. And that's exactly right. It isn't um, mm. about simple factors like that. No, it's not. It is about the quality of love connection, the quality of the spark of the attraction of the pleasure. I it is about the quality of the awareness of the touch and how some touches are much more delicious than others. I had a really interesting um, client today and he's a young man and he was telling me, um, that he'd always been a bit of a party boy. He had a, a more explicit term for it. And um, he got cancer. He was only in his 30s and he got a very strange kind of bone cancer that you wouldn't expect and he had to have a lot of pelvic surgery and he came to see me because it's had a negative effect on his sexual function. But interestingly enough, he'd never really had a relationship where he'd connected with a partner before. It had always just been physical release really and during this whole cancer journey which he's on the other side of now he met a woman who he didn't have a sexual relationship with but was extremely like kind to him 
nice to him, caring, helped him. He had no one to help him when he came home from hospital and she was like selflessly offered to help him. And he was like saying to me, it's the first time ever that I feel like I could consider things that are not intercourse or not what we obviously think of as sex as sexual pleasure and intimacy. And now he's well again and this woman is just his friend. But he had his first casual sexual experience, which he used to have a lot of yesterday. And he came in today and he said, I just feel empty. because." And when I said to him, I said, perhaps it's because now you understand the difference between intimacy and connection and just sexual release. And he was like, I haven't been able to put a finger on it, but I think that's it. It's like, you know, and I said to him and he, I said, perhaps the reason things didn't work physically like you wanted is not because there's a physical problem, which I don't think there is, because now you're looking for more, like your soul wants connection, not just physical release. And he was like, I've never thought about it like that. And I I just thought it was really interesting. It was like this whole experience for him has made him think about pleasure and connection to another person in a completely different way, but he didn't really know what he was experiencing. Does that make sense? Our culture encourages us to think about sensation without soul. Mm. That sex is something impersonal Mm. and casual. But actually, we're whole people, whole beings, connecting as hearts, Mm. as minds, and as bodies. Mm. Sex isn't just... impersonal friction no and it's not just one kind of act i love that impersonal friction i think that's remarkable i just i love that because you need to make a connection emotionally well i do need to make a connection emotionally to feel any physical desire to then make that extra step of intimacy But I think the other thing about what Julie is talking about is that it does also take the pressure off physical issues. So if there's a physical issue such as erectile dysfunction or whatever, and I always try and say this to people, it's not all about that physical. There's all these other ways to experience pleasure. Men don't think like that. They're 100% their penis is working. Yes, I'm okay. Is it not working? Then what you survive as a man? But then I also think then that sexual dysfunction is often a way to find out more about yourself and explore we do, these things. We do, but I don't think – I think men are not comfortable with that, which is mm. why we have Julia. I disagree. I think there's many men, uh, they just don't know and once you start talking to them about it, they're really open to it. But yeah, but mm. you have a gift of that. Not many people have that gift, mm. which is why – I hate to say it again over and over, but men live five years less than women on average. Mm. Eight out of ten suicides are committed by men. They're not in tune with their embodiment, with their deepening. I don't. I just don't see it. Mm. You. I think you. I think people melt. Men melt as soon as they work with you, Melissa, because <laughs> you immediately got pictures of their penis. They feel comfortable. Mm, Urologists' office don't have penises sitting all over them. <laughs> They're the urology doctor. Mm. Does that make sense? Totally, from a body worker perspective, everything that goes wrong or doesn't work in the body, any ill health, is a symptom of something deeper. Yeah, I love that book, The Body Meets the Score, or Makes the Score. Have you read that? Yeah, I, love I know that. the title. I can't remember it's And also the word the disease. Makes the score, that's it. What does the word disease mean? Dis-ease. We're not at ease, we are dis-ease. Mm. D-I-S-ease. Mm. Yeah, And I want to say something else, which is that the genitals, the penis, the vagina, are very sensitive. And just like you were saying, you know, they sense what's going on in Mm -hmm. this encounter with this person. And actually, if they want to, regardless of our ideas, if we think we want to. It's 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 an innate joy that comes from the body. And it's not always that it's, it's not working. It's that perhaps this encounter isn't actually working really what you're if looking people actually for tune in and mm. listen to what their body's responses are like i wrote a poem once that was all about things like butterflies in your tummy and the scratchiness of your throat 
I've got all the words that we actually use uh, where we embody that somatically. The words I can't think of all the phrases right now, but there's tingling toes. There's the things that have a greater meaning that are sensual phrases. So this takes us quite well into the next medicine, which is power. Mm. Mm. Okay. So really, our um, true powerfulness is not our muscular mm. dominating power over others, but it is our ability to be vulnerable and to sense ourselves. Mm. And all of those things you were just describing mm. are sources of our own physical body wisdom. And nervous system. And our soul is always trying to communicate with us. And it communicates mm. with us through our body. So when we mm. get butterflies in our tummy, or a sore shoulder, or any of the other symptoms and diseases that you've been sharing or talking about. Mm. They're ways of letting us know that actually we need to make a difference in our behaviour, in our actions. So men, though, wait till they get a crisis event before they stop and actually learn this, in my world. It's a heart attack, or it's prostate cancer, or it's... They've been smacked in the head by something. They need a shock before they go, oh, I've got to look after my body. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a terribly common story. Mm. Or I need to eat differently. Yeah. Because we are taught in our society, in our culture, to override all those impulses that yeah. say, I need to go to the toilet now, or I want to give this person a hug, or I want to, you know. Mm. So the more we come back, to our own self, to our own body, to all the signals and impulses. You know, sometimes you have an urge, you know, and we all have those urges or impulses and often the difficulty is listening to them and they can help mm. us to make wise choices for our lives and also for our relationships about who to be with and how to be with. I remember when I was a little kid, my... Um, and when to be sorry, with. Yeah, sorry to interrupt. I remember when I was a little kid, I had my best friend and my best friend, I wanted her to have a sleepover. And she would say, yes, I'm coming for a sleepover. But she's never came. Not once, not 20 times. And every time I'd be disappointed. Her mum would ring at the last minute and say she's got a tummy ache. And I now know that that tummy ache was anxiety as a physiotherapist. And that's what kids do. When it comes to consonants, they cross their legs and they put their hands in front of their private parts. And they, they're gripping on, they're trying to hold, they're actually needing to go to the toilet and they're busting. We don't tend to notice those things as adults. We generalise them. But... The, the little kids are teaching us just without knowing all this higher intellectual stuff. Mm. They're, they're teaching us all the time. To be sensitive to ourselves. Yes. Mm. Mm. So we've got power. What comes next? Slow body depth, relationship, pleasure, power and potency. <laughs> uh -huh. This is good. So A P word. We've yeah. never had... A podcast with the word potency in it. No, we haven't. So we're going to have to weave that into the power of joy or the pleasure. I think the we've had power of pleasure impotency, but we haven't had potency. potency. So the potency us. of the healing power of pleasure. We're going to call something like this. Tell us. Potency. Tell us about potency. The delis deliciousness of potency. <laughs> well, in a way, potency is about getting out of our own ways. And we've sort of been talking about that already in our conversation. It's not what we think something should be or not even what we think that we want it's about what's right what feels right a certain kind of neutrality or ease that brings satisfaction you were talking just before about encounters that feel empty and encounters mm. that feel satisfying mm. so the medicine of potency is quite spiritual and deep and um, and beautiful. So is there a practice that you would do to for potency? Yeah. <laughs> so there's lots of practices. I talk about actually about the technology of integration for potency, but perhaps one that I can share now. Yeah. And it is a tantric practice. Mm -hmm. Is about paying attention to two different things at the same time. So, for example, this moment, can you sense your own 
palms of your hands and the soles of your feet. Mm-hmm. Yes. Can you feel coolness and warmth at the same time? I can in this moment. Can you feel, can you pay attention to yourself and to Joe? Not as well as my hands and my feet at the same time. Right, so <laughs> it's, it's practicing it, for mm. example. Or speaking to, not just to the people who we think are uh, attractive and interesting at a party, but also to the people we think are, are that we might not initially be drawn to, right, as a practice. Um, and there are other more physical practices this, as well. This is why I just think this whole... I think online dating has a lot of good things because I think it's a good way to find people who have, uh, you know, similar interests and looking for the same thing. But this whole swipe left and right thing bothers me because you don't... I don't even know what that means. Well, you don't get... <laughs> when you, like, I look at someone's photo on an online dating thing and you swipe left or you swipe right, it's like you don't get all those... You don't get to speak to the person who you don't immediately feel... Like a physical connection. A physical connection with, like you're saying, like speaking the to someone. The chemical potency of mm. that that's outside. physical presence. So when you know it's right, you know it's right. Yeah. And it is indefinable. And it's nothing to do with just Lists. looking at a flat 2D picture of somebody. And at the same time, we can all have instinctual flashes. Mm. Our instinctual intelligence can go yes to that person or no to that person. I mean, I do know people who, and I'm sure you do too, who found their partners in that way. Mm. I definitely know that the chemistry in the room and seeing someone across the dance floor at the d- nightclubs back in our day, there was just the eyes met and there was this connection. What about when these things start to fade? When people have been together for a long time, how do people rekindle? Use that word. If someone was listening today and they've maybe been through prostate cancer and they're lying there just listening to us. And they're thinking of what Melissa just said about being alone in their own relationship. Where could they start to get that connection back again? Heart. Love. What brings you joy? Who is it that when you, your example of somebody and their friend, who is it that you enjoy being around? In a way, it's the path of least resistance. Mm. You know, you could say it in cruder terms, you know. Say it, it's fine. You know, of arousal, who makes you wet, who makes you hard. But there's a difference, I also want to say, between the chasing of the orgasm and the stress relief aspect, the highly charged and the real potency, the real delight, the real joy. I mean, my heart is, is radiant in this moment. Yeah. And... Um, that kind of effortless potency, perhaps in the example of how you two met. Yeah, in this corridor here Mm. by the coffee machine. And you can't make Mm. that happen. You can't make that magic happen until it happens for you. And when it does, it's wonderful. But I think also it doesn't necessarily happen in that first meeting. It might be a situation where you meet someone, you get to know them, and they're not initially attractive to you. Right. But then one day that person will suddenly seem attractive and you'll be like, why didn't I notice that before? There's so many different ways. Exactly. (laughs) And that might be because, you know, they've made you laugh or... They've touched you in a deeper way. Yeah, or there's something... Related to them. um, You know, there is just some sort of pheromone connection that you have with that person that you can't explain because it doesn't fit into your normal box. But But you can feel it. Yeah, and I think... Yeah, that was (laughs) bad choice of words, wasn't it? But yeah, I think that sort of... that I don't think we trust our instincts as much as... Or our intuition as much as we should. And not just in relationships, in everything. Like, I think if you are about to take on a job, for instance, but it just doesn't feel right. Then you marinate in it. You need to, f- to trust that if it doesn't feel right, it probably isn't. And sleep on it. Just let it go and sleep mm. on it. That's a good thing. So, yeah. I mean, I write about our instinctual intelligence yeah. that is smarter than our heads. Yep. So we come back to where we began our conversation oh about yeah. pelvis oh. and heads, mm. actually, yep. and about how the body wisdom knows more than all our knowledge and anxiety in our heads. 
and the but we can wisdom. feel it and we can trust it and it's here right now right there's mm. a quality in our conversation yeah, absolutely and in our connection yeah from the work browser workshop now i'm going to throw one at you i have a lovely patient called roberta who's a um, i think she's a baptist minister and she asked me the first time i met her are you religious i said well i got brought up as a catholic my husband is Greek. His mother is Seventh-day Adventist. There's been a lot of chaos. <laughs> um, so we prefer not to use the word religion in our household for one reason or another. But she said, but religion is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about spirituality. And she said, do you believe in God? I said, well, I believe in something. I'm just not sure. She said, well, just look outside if you ever wonder. You'll see nature. And that's what God is or that what that's what spirituality is. It's that sort of earth that's comforting all the time. A feather drops in front of you or a butterfly. You see an owl at pivotal moments or a beautiful sunset and that that sort of, I guess, outer world, not the one just between our two ears. Um, I You noticed my glasses case today. I have never experienced Indigenous um, culture, even though I've been born and bred in Western Australia, until 18 months ago when I went on my first ever um, on-country experience on a yoga retreat. And then I was told this would be life-changing and it was true. I slept under the stars. I didn't need anything. We we cooked from the bush. We we swam in the, in the river. Didn't need anything. And nature always had an answer for us. So what do you think of that? Great big yes. Mm. I mean, for me, everything is God imbued. Mm-hmm. We could say that everything is sacred. Mm. that's why when we touch each other it matters to touch with respect because yeah. everything the table the microphone the cup yeah. our bodies the whole world is alive and it's beautiful that you've taken us there it's really the message of the book right and in uh, the later stages of the book i talk about as uh, some of the uh, creation myths you know of and some of them are amazing about great big phallus <laughs> and um uh, like bigger than what's in this uh, room uh, huge <laughs> uh, and uh, in different cultures use different yeah, different do. words yeah. and uh, uh, um so that i i definitely think there is tremendous amounts of beauty that are possible yeah and i definitely think that we are all living within mm. something and we're not all individual isolated yeah. separated cutouts <laughs> not robots as you said earlier mm. now let's get a little bit practical another p word how do people access this book how do people access you thanks the book is uh, in many bookshops here in australia also online on amazon um the healing power of pleasure seven medicines for rediscovering the innate joy of being my website is universeofdeliciousness.com. <laughs> That's going to be the title of the uh, yeah. talk, Universe of Deliciousness. And it's what the whole book is about. Mm. And so we can buy it on Kindle. Yes. Yep. Audio book, oh, paper book, paperback. I'm just looking online and it says there isn't an audio book, but I'm really glad to hear there is because you'd have to listen to this book. Is it your, is it your voice? It's not my voice. Oh. You have the most beautiful voice. Thanks. I was disappointed they didn't ask me, but... Have they heard you speak? Maybe not, but maybe the publisher chose yeah. an American narrator okay. and she's excellent and okay. really easy to listen to. Well, if you write another book, please insist that it's your audio because we are mesmerised by your voice. Mm. I know we are because we are usually a bit... We're completely, we're completely chilled out, aren't we, Melissa? Yeah, I just feel like I've been to a yoga class. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, a rude question or not, how much is the book? Just so people get a bit of an idea of what their budget might be or... I hesitate to answer because... Um, depends what country. Depends what country. Yeah, sure. Amazon does uh, um, different pricing slightly to... Sure. Bookshops. Sometimes. But it's not mm. – I've actually had a bit of a look. It's it's actually a very affordable book. It's not beyond yeah. the everyday person's budget, which no. is really nice. Very affordable. Yeah. yeah. Now, is there anything that you would like to add in? If you were listening to our podcast and you might have had a, a moment to reflect on, we'd say the take-home message, I guess. What would you like people to learn about you 
from our interview today in your own summary? I don't know to learn about me, but to learn about them or us is that everybody is normal. We all have difficulties and delicate periods in our lives. Everything can be healed. Tremendous beauty and pleasure is possible. Life is not the conventional way we think it is. Sex <laughs> doesn't have to be the simple, fast, casual way we're often told it can be. Mm. There are tremendous nuances of touch, of conversation. So when you that we can all sorry. play with. When you went started to write this book, I'm interested is like what is your wish for it? Like what is your wish for this book to do? <laughs> Good question. Just because I'm writing a book which seems to be taking a very long time and I have a very clear wish and goal for that book. And I'm assuming that everybody does when they want have a story they want to share. That there's a, maybe not a goal, but yeah, like something that you really want people to get from this. There's something that you're giving to people. I wrote from what my heart knows and wants to share. And I remember being a little girl and looking, and I wasn't a very happy little girl. And I looked around me at the way that people were relating and all the talking. And I knew that there was more. Hmm. And you want other people to know that? I want to invite people into the more. That mm. there is always hope and possibility. Invite people into the more. Into sensuality. Yeah. Because our lives, our bodies, this world is sensual, full of colour and texture and sensitivity hmm. can i just i'm just reflecting now i'm looking at your podcast it's got information about the book the work the podcast do you have your own podcast well i'm toying with the idea mm. of beginning my own podcast yes okay and then i've got media the media section there seems to be lots of videos and things about you press videos interviews articles loads i've written loads of articles so there's so much here everybody just you need to go and look at the Universe of Deliciousness podcast. Then there's a contact for you to perhaps in an email. Do you do workshops in, in, in you're from London town? Do, do people do people come? There's plenty of people from the UK listening here. Where I can do. people access you? I live in North London. Mm -hmm. uh, so I work with people directly uh, in North London. I also work with people on Zoom. And I uh, run workshops and wow. retreats and um, You're it's busy. my pleasure to work I with people. I so enjoyed your wisdom. You moved me. That's on your podcast. That's like a, um, that's like a testimonial. Uh, there's a beautiful phrase. I'm just going to see it one more time. We mentioned Einstein. Well, I did earlier. And there's a quote on your website. And... I'm trying to find it. Do you remember what it is? Something like you can't uh, change things from the level at which they can't change problems from the... Um, they're probably not his exact words, of course. You know, uh, you can't change... You can't solve a problem from the level at which it's created. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, really lovely to have met you serendipitously at the Perth Writers' Festival... There I was to see Rosie Thomas and there you were with your beads, your long curly hair and you came and said hello. So thank you for saying hello and thank you for sharing the healing power of pleasure. Thank you for inviting me and thanks for the connection. I've thoroughly enjoyed meeting you wonderful ladies and what lucky people they are here to be able to access and work with you directly. Thank you so much, Julia. It's been amazing to meet you. And I'm just looking at your website as well and I think this explains most people. I love this sentence. If you find that being a grown-up is nearly not as much fun as you hoped it would be, <laughs> <laughs> I think that many of us find being a grown-up is not as fun and it should be. So 
Here's to deliciousness. Thank you so much. (laughs) It's been lovely to meet you and I'm very excited to get this on the podcast. Thanks. And may there be another time, perhaps one day when we make it to London, we can catch up with you and we can do a workshop together or something. We imagine that. Lovely. Or maybe I'll invite you to my podcast. Yes, and and three curly-headed delicious ladies. There are big (laughs) smiles here. Lovely. And lovely looking into your eyes. Oh, Mm. thank you so much. May we all... Be happy and full of fun. Fun is actually my 2023 slogan because for a couple of years there with COVID and everything, that F word was not quite the one that I was saying. 2023 rolled over and I went, I'm going to change my F word to a shorter one, F-U-N. <laughs> so, fun all the way. Thank you. Thanks very much, Julia. going to tell you about a boy lives inside me it's been there all of my life hi i'm melissa and i hope you enjoyed the podcast this week just a reminder if you've been diagnosed with prostate cancer i've built a penile rehabilitation program just for you it's an online program packed with information exercises and advice along with proven strategies that will get your penis back in working order as quickly as possible in about 15 minutes a day If you like the sound of that, then please head over to penilerehabilitationprogram.com and you can start straight away. Or there's a link from the RS Health website. We would also love you to review and subscribe and share this podcast so we can help more men. Links to Instagram and Facebook are in the show notes. We look forward to seeing you there. So spread the word that help is available. All the best for now. Bye. I've got a boy of my own now It fills me with pride See him growing so fast into a man His victories become mine I cry his tears